Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As usual, free, every Thursday, new episodes, Podcast One, Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in and checking it out. Thank you for subscribing, and welcome as we settle in here for uh, another great interview and more of what's been the theme for the last two or three weeks, and that is certainly the passing of Eddie Van Halen. And so many artists that have reached out to me to want to remember Eddie and celebrate Eddie. And we're going to do it this week with Journey guitarist Neil Sean. That interview is just moments away. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you the Eddie Trunk podcast is being brought to you by Goodies Hangover. They've got a powerful pain reliever and a boosting ingredient in their new product, Goodies Hangover. You can get fast pain relief and a boost of alertness to help battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with a hangover. Hangover relief at the speed of powder. Goodies Hangover is available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, and other fine retailers. Get more info at goodiespowder.com. So last week you heard from Brett Michaels and Sebastian Bach. I thought that would be a little bit different to bring you a couple singers. Obviously, guitar players would be the logical place. And we've heard some from so many of them since the tragic passing of Eddie Van Halen. But... This week, we will, after last week hearing from singers, we'll hear from a guitar player. Quite an accomplished one at that. You know him best, of course, as the lead guitarist and the one guy who has been a member of Journey since day one, since he was just a kid, and that is Neil Sean. Neil's a great guy. I've gotten to know Neil uh, pretty well in the last few years, especially, and, uh, you know, did something with him and Joe Elliott when they did the tour together with Def Leppard. And I've kept in touch with him, and he's uh, he's a great guy to obviously know and to talk to and hear stories from, and just seems like a you know wonderful guy. I've gotten to know him a lot better in recent years, and it's it's great to be in touch with him and be able to have him on the show uh, from time to time. By the show, I mean my radio show, which is where all of the interviews you hear on the podcast originate from. And once again, it's my duty to remind you, if you're in the U.S. or Canada, you should be listening to Trunk Nation every day, live on Sirius XM Volume Channel 106. It is 
every day, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, nightly replays 10 to midnight Eastern, and on demand anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. As I always tell you, here on this podcast, you're only getting a tiny sample of what I do on a daily basis. I mean, the Van Halen Tribune alone was about eight guests. Last week, I gave you two of them. So when I mean a little sample, it's only a little sample. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, please come on board at SiriusXM. There are trial subscriptions. There are free subscriptions to try out. And I think you will enjoy hearing Trunk Nation every day, Monday through Friday. Also started doing a six show back live on Mondays on Hair Nation. So six live shows a week I'm doing on SiriusXM, five on volume on 106, one on channel 39, which is Hair Nation. If you're not already on board, please do come on board. Everybody else, it's a chance for you to sample and hear what's going on. And of course, if you're outside of the U.S. or Canada where you can't get uh, Sirius or XM, well, this is another way to sample what's going on as well. So there's the info I need to tell you about, of course, as we get ready for our interview. So yeah, it's been great to talk to Neil. We've had him on here and there quite a bit. And um, Journey are working on a new record. You'll get a few thoughts about that and where things are at with that. But also, Neil actually reached out to me just like so many artists, so devastated at the passing of Eddie Van Halen and wanted to share some thoughts about him and about the fact that Eddie Van Halen's first ever tour was opening for Journey, third build. The bill was actually Journey, Montrose, Van Halen back in 1978. For Journey, it was their first tour with Steve Perry. And Neil shares some stories and remembrances of what a very young Van Halen was like and how difficult it was to follow them back then as they were just starting out on their career. It's great stuff. You're going to love it. We talk about the next Journey record and where things stand with that as well. So get ready for Neil Sean. Don't forget, I am on Cameo. If you're interested in personalized videos, go to Cameo.com. Just search my name. You'll find the information there. Thanks to all those who have ordered and taken part. And also, I mentioned earlier, Goodies is uh, our sponsor on the new Hangover product. Got a ton of requests for the Trunk Nation stickers that Goodies made. Sit tight, be patient. I'll get those out to you in the mail. Going to take a little time because a ton of envelopes came in. The information is in the trunk report on my website, eddytrunk.com. If you'd like to mail away for one while supplies last. Also, please be sure to follow me on social media especially on Twitter, where I am over 300,000 strong. Thank you for that. Instagram, fan page on Facebook, and of course, the official online home is eddytrunk.com. And last but not least, there is a syndicated radio show as well, once a week, a lot of music in it. It's called Eddie Trunk Rocks. It's on about 30 great stations across the country. If you'd like to hear that on demand, all you got to do is become an all-access member of my website, eddytrunk.com, and you can hear that on demand as well as other content. Merch store on my site as well. Check it out when you get a chance. Music news updated daily, all on the site. All right, so Neil Sean this week. We'll see what we get into next week. I could continue with the Van Halen theme. Eventually, we'll start to move away from that, I would think. But, um... I mean, just so many people want to remember this guy, and I get it, and I understand it, and I appreciate it, and I'll do my best to keep honoring Eddie and uh, providing a platform for the fans and the artists to speak about him. Again, there were so many artists that did come on my radio show, Tom Morello, Mike McCready, the list goes on and on, John Five, 
But this was um, this was done a few days after the initial tribute show, and this was a standalone with Neil Sean. So I wanted to bring it to you this week because, in addition to the Eddie stuff, there is some stuff on the Next Journey record. It's coming up right after this on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Welcome to the MIP. Yeah. <laughs> you knew this was coming. Guess who? Oh. Let me start this thing off. Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. We'll give you the full MIP experience. I'm talking everything from football to fashion. I will be chopping it up with playmakers, headline makers, and I am throwing haymakers. I'm the MVP of the MIP. Don't miss it. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Hey, everybody, it's Eddie Trunk. Without further ado, let's get to it. The leader of the band Journey, Neil Sean, sharing some thoughts about Eddie Van Halen, the next Journey record, and a whole lot more on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Enjoy. Hey, Neil, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Eddie. How are you, brother? I'm okay. Hanging in there. Um, you know, before we get a little update from you on how things are going in the journey camp, you know, I know you and I have been in touch the last few days and exchanging some thoughts and memories about um, Eddie Van Halen. And I think you're going to have a really interesting perspective. And I look forward to hearing from you on this because Van Halen, if I'm not mistaken, one of their very first tours was opening for journey, right? Actually, it was, uh, we took Van Halen on their first tour. Funny story, man. I'm going to lay it out here a little bit because I did think about this. Um, it was in 87. Uh, their record was just being released. And I don't know, a couple months, three months prior to the tour starting, uh, I had received a little, you know, red EP, promotional EP that had eruption on it. And you really got me. And so I proceeded to, to put it on my turntable in my bedroom with a guitar and amp. And I'm sitting there listening to Eruption and I'm going, what the fuck is this guy doing for real? <laughs> I'm like, I could not figure it out. Where, you know, I'd been listening to Ma Vishnu, all kinds of people, you know, and breaking things down. I could just not figure out what he was doing with the hammer on. And it, it would like drove me nuts. And we, and then, you know, we finally got out there and got to know Ed and, and watched him night to night, just kill it. And all I could say is I, I was very happy not to be following him. We had Ronnie Montrose, uh, that was in the middle. So Van Halen opened, then Montrose, then journey. Yeah. You uh, sent me, the, you, you had sent me, tour. yeah, you sent me that ad mat, uh, via text, which was awesome to see that. And it's really funny seeing, so small special guest Van Halen, then Montrose, then you guys. I mean, it, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, Ronnie was, was great in his own right, but I imagine that was not easy for him to follow Van Halen, especially at that time. No, he did well though. I mean, you know, um, the band was strong and, but Eddie was just so on fire and doing, you know, new things that nobody had seen before. Everybody was just kind of like, what is going on? (laughs) It was great, man. And uh, we had a lot of fun on that tour. Hung out a lot. um, Watched them trash a lot of hotel rooms. (laughs) 
I think they were wanting to be the who, you know, Eddie had told me that um, one of the, his biggest records that inspired him even to come up with the concept of Van Halen was uh, who the who's live or no wow. who's live at Leeds live at Leeds. Right. right. Yeah. Hey, Neil, do you remember what the audience reaction was like to, to Van Halen then? Do you, do you, uh, were you there early enough? And do you remember back that far as to what, uh, people seeing them were, were how they were reacting. Absolutely. I got there early just to watch, you know, to have Eddie come over and point the guitar at me, like, like a bow and arrow, <laughs> like here it comes, man. And, uh, you know, it was electrifying and the audience definitely got it. I think they were wowed, you know, I mean, it just blew everybody away. Yeah, and and then so how long did they? How long did they stay out with you? Was that like a short tour, or did that go for a while? Well, we stayed out. Um, our our Infinity Tour was named the Infinity Tour because it lasted forever. I think I believe we did <laughs> 180 shows, uh, and of which I think I think what I recall is Van Halen maybe had, had done three months with us. It may be a little less than that. Yeah, because they ended up going out with Sabbath, and I don't know if that was before or after you guys. It was after us. We were the first tour that they went on. Uh, and then, you know, we hooked up later playing a lot of the summer festivals together, the Texas Jam, and, you know, all over the place. And so um, <laughs> it was a great time, man. Great period in my life. And uh, seeing all of them was so sad to hear the news the other day and I was really, really hit hard by it. Like a lot of people, but I realized that Ed and I were very, very close in the eighties and hung out a lot. And, um, you know, not just on tour, but when he would come into town, uh, and you know, we'd hang out just talking music in a room, uh, playing music for each other and checking things out. It was funny. One of, one of the things, um, that is very funny is, is, um, I had just done, I, I completed the record with Sammy, the HSAS record. And, um, we were playing each other's, uh, music one night after they played in San Francisco at the cow palace. And, uh, he wanted me to give him a ride to the hotel. So he grabbed the bottle of vodka, jumped in my Porsche and he proceeded to chug it while I'm driving down the freeway. I'm like, dude, hold that thing down. Keep it down. Anyway, we got to the hotel and, um, you know, he had a cassette machine and, uh, he was playing me some stuff and I slapped in the HSAS cassette and he kept going over the machine and stopping it backwards, forwards, going over this one guitar riff. Like, what are you doing there? You know, I said, I'd let it run, man. He can do it like 20 times in a row. And then finally he goes, he goes, who's the singer, man? I really like the singer. Oh, and wow. I go with Sammy Hagar and he goes, who? And I go, Sammy Hagar. And I said, you know, Montrose, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's the guy. And I go, yeah. And so that's where he kind of found out about Sammy was me uh, playing him that night. I mean, he knew who Sammy was uh, through Montrose through that first record, but he didn't know, you know, anything beyond that. Right. He didn't put it together. That it was the same guy on HSAS. Right. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, Ted Templeman has said in his own book recently 
that they actually entertained the idea. And by the way, it's it's our, our mutual friend Sammy Hagar's birthday today. So happy birthday to Sammy. Yeah, uh, I seven, saw that. 73. Yeah. I saw that. But Did you but buy Temple a to watch his party? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna text him and tell him he better give me a free one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a riot, man. He is. He's the best. But, uh, I, but you know, Templeman had said something that was just, it's been said more than once that back in 78, when they did that first record, that he actually toyed with the idea then, because of course, Templeman produced the first Montrose record, and he had toyed with the idea then of having Sammy come in as the singer from day one, because Dave was struggling vocally. And, uh, you know, you think about how the course of history would have could have potentially been changed if Sammy was singing from day one in Van Halen, which actually was entertained by the band and Templeman at that time. It's crazy. I didn't know that. That's that's a nice little bit of information there. Um, well, you know, the stars align for him later on. But I do have to admit, you know, I love both versions. Um, I, I I was you know a fan of the original band as well as with Sammy, but the original one, you know, had a circus vibe to it, you know? And uh, Eddie was just, you know, he was the brains and the catalyst of everything uh, that was going on there. Um, you know, they got into more song-song-oriented songs with Sammy, ended up selling more records. Um, but I did love the initial punk attitude uh, reckless abandonedness of of Ed in the you know in the earlier records. So so Neil, just real quick, if we can go back to seventy eight on that first tour again, do you do you you know from from having seen them so early like that, did you think when they left that tour that they were going to go on to what they went on to? Did you did you feel like that's going to become a huge band, or were you unsure at that point and just knew that they had this? unbelievable guitar player like what were your thoughts at that time about them and their future potential you know honest to god i thought you know i'm a guitar player uh and have followed all the guitar greats throughout my whole career and when i saw ed and how fresh it was i go these guys are going to be massive uh because at that point in my career, I, I really felt like everything revolved around the guitar and it still does to a certain point to me, you know, I mean, I love all vocalists and I love all different types of songwriting, but for rock and roll, man, it, it is guitar and drums. And, um, you know, he had a, a great connection with Alex and Michael. Uh, they were very, very solid. And I love playing with Michael, uh, years after that with Sammy and realized what a, a great bass player he was actually, yeah. you know, doing the, you know, the Rocco thing from tower of power, man, uh, you know, in all fingers. I mean, he was just like motoring like nobody's business. And then, you know, he had the high voice that really gave them a lot of character, uh, where, where, you know, Dave may have lacked in, you know, uh, his range. Michael brought that entity to it which made it very, you know, characteristic of what I considered Van Halen overall sound. But I did think they were going to be massive. 
And when you said you heard that first EP and you heard Eruption, you're like, as a guitar player, you're like, I don't know what this is, what this guy's doing. I don't know what he's doing. When you then went and saw him and got to know him and he was on that first tour with you, did you, I mean, I'm sure you watched him, but did you guys have conversations about that? Did you, did you say like, Hey man, what, sure. what's going on? <laughs> what are you doing? I, I, yeah, absolutely. After a while, I still, he was very, he would hide it a lot, you know, in the beginning. He would like turn his back a lot of times at audience or hold the guitar in a certain way where you couldn't see exactly what he was doing. So about right. halfway through, you know, I remember being in, in his dressing room or he came in my dressing room and, and, uh, I said, show me what it is, man. <laughs> and, and he did it. And, and, and I did it like pretty immediately, but I was just like, son of a bitch. That's so crazy. You know, I would never would have thought of that. And I had heard it before the sound of it, but not doing the triplets and what Ed was doing, you know, Harvey Mandel from was a great guitarist, um, you know, and there was a record, you know, back in the seventies, uh, crystal redemption, redemption. And, um, I had heard, you know, doing the one finger on and the sound of it, but he wasn't doing triplets and using it in a classical sense. And, uh, so, you know, Ed took it to a whole nother, uh, you know, uh, he just set the bar so high, but also, you know, he, he was such an innovator in the sense of, um, being able to know what sound he needed to use. Uh, the fact that he needed to be in E flat was like a big secretive thing because it's not so easy to do an E it, it you can still do it when a guitar is tuned up a half a step, but when it's an E flat, the strings become more like rubber bands. So it's easier to get a lot, lot more speed off it, off your index finger of your right hand. And, um, so little tricks of the trade of, of, you know, what he developed, uh, into his own style. And also, you know, the power alternator that he used on the old Marshall heads that actually soaked the power down in the heads that made it easier to dig in. It gave it a bit more, uh, when the tubes heated up from a little bit less power rather than running on 110, it's probably running about 100, you know? And so the head would, the tubes would heat up and everything would compress a bit more. It was like built in, uh, natural amp distortion, but gave them that beautiful, uh, you know, ground sound. Yeah, it's that's the thing that I was I've been talking about for the last week because it's been a week now since since we lost him. But that was one of the things that I was talking about is the fact that yes, uh, everybody talks about what a guitar player he was, but the innovations, the things that he later did with his own gear and the amps and everything like that. I mean, that's a big part of it. And as you sort of referenced before, the band around him and the songs, if there weren't great catchy songs as a showcase all around that. I don't think it would have been as big either. It, it was the, it's really was the whole package. And he was, he brought way more than just being a great guitar player to the table. There were all those advances with the gear and the things you're referencing early on that he did that to this day were, were, are considered to be pretty groundbreaking. Groundbreaking completely. And, you know, I, it's so funny because I, I, I realized, what it actually did in one of the last tours that we did, or, you know, not one of them, not one of the last ones, but about 
I don't know, six years, seven years ago when we toured in Japan and you have to use these, uh, you know, uh, transformers, right. Uh, to convert the, the wattage of the amplifier. And it makes it really difficult to play. Uh, it makes everything really, really stiff and you don't get any natural attack on the strings like you do normally when it's plugged in to regular AC. And so I got so frustrated. I said, I told my tech, I said, take out all those transformers. And he goes, man, you're going to blow the head. I said, I don't care. Just plug it in. And it, it pulled everything down to 100. And it sounded amazing. It actually felt better than, uh, you know, plugging it into regular 110. So I was like, wow, there it is, you know. Um, and just never thought about trying it before. But total innovator, a different, in, you know, in a different class altogether. You know, I'd, pretty, I'd say Ed was a genius. Completely. And the way he knew how to build his guitars, uh, you know, the placement of the pickups, the wiring uh, to make it more microphonic. I mean, you know, there's a lot to it that he just sat there and noodled with it until it sounded right for him. But he had one of those type of minds where, you know, he's always thinking, like, I want to get this sound. How do I do this? You know? Did you guys have the opportunity to, to jam much, Neil? Did you guys get, get to play together much? We did a, a couple times. Um, we did, of course, like backstage where, you know, he was just writing uh, Dance the Night Away, and he was showing me the chords to that uh, and how he was tapping on the chords. And um, he was like, check this out. This is really melodic. I think this is going to be a big song. And he was playing me that. And we would jam once in a while backstage, but um, more so we, we did like at, there was a club here in the Bay Area called Uncle Charlie's. And I stuck some pictures up in, in this last week that people and friends were sending me that I didn't even have that were of him and I jamming in that club when we were hanging out. I said, hey, you want to go jam with Eric Martin, uh, who was from the Bay Area? And we went and we sat in and the club closed and then we jammed some more. Um, and then we did at the NAM show before. And, you know, I had, um, uh, John Entwistle with me. Um, and we played at the NAM show. I had met John. He had come to one of our shows in New Jersey and actually hit me up afterwards to do a band with him on the side. And so we had some time off and flew me over to England. I was hanging out at his house way out in the country. I wouldn't call it a house. It was like, I don't think a 45 room castle that was handed <laughs> down by his family. <laughs> I actually got lost in the house that he, I was like wandering <laughs> around one day and I had to call him and I go, Hey John, I don't know where I'm at, man. You need to come get me. Uh, it was so big, but, but you know, him and I were, were messing around in the studio and toying with the idea of putting together a band on the side, it never came into play. But um, while we were there, and while I was in England, uh, Donington Festival was happening. Uh, and so Van Halen was playing, so we went. And that's where those pictures came from that I put up uh, with John and Ed and myself. And, uh, man, they were on fire, you know. I don't think he'd ever seen them before. And I was like, we got to go. You're going you're gonna to love this. And uh, it was something else. 
Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. One one last thing on on Van Halen, and and then I want to change gears to Journey here in a second. But I'm curious. You were saying that when you were playing him the HSAS record back in the day, he kept rewinding a part trying to figure out what you were doing. Do you remember what song or what part that was? Yeah, I believe it was in a song that Sam and I wrote uh, called Giza. Yeah, and uh, it had a pretty ripping solo in the middle. Uh, where I jump on the Wawa at one point, and I had all kinds of guitar players back then. It was really kind of, that whole record was just like off the cuff. You know, we wrote that whole set that we played like in two weeks, rehearsed it, um, wrote it, and then just played live, you know? And so it was all improv. Uh, besides the song itself, I had nothing, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so just sort of reaching, you know, live and, in concert and you know was just kind of jamming pretty hard and he was like wow what is that <laughs> jeff watson was another guy uh one of the early players from night ranger that kept going what is that man um uh so but you know all in all he he went over and over this one lick uh and it's <laughs> like i was getting frustrated i go listen to the rest of it man right <laughs> <laughs> Had you stayed in touch with him, Neil? Do you remember the last time you, you spoke to him or had contact with him? The last time that I was in touch with Eddie was in the nineties and, and I was actually with all I was hanging out at Lukather's house with Ed, Lukather and myself. It was triple trouble, man. Yeah. And uh I decided to bow out after about twenty four hours uh because <laughs> I felt like I couldn't take any more. <laughs> and and those guys went on, you know, for about another couple of days. That's all I remember. And I, at that point I was like, man, my, my heart can't think that I can't take this anymore. I need to like dummy up here if I want to live. Uh, but, um, then we, we, we saw each other again when Jimmy page, you know, put his hands in cement at the rock walk of fame in front of, uh, guitar center. Right. And that, that picture came out with all of us in line there, uh, the Motley crew. But, you know, um, you know, we had talked a lot on the phone. He would call me like at three or four in the morning, you know, and I can tell he was, had been up for a long time, you know, partying. And, and he would just say, he'd mumble a couple words to me and then he'd pick up the guitar and he'd jam for like 20 minutes. And I mm. couldn't hear a damn thing on a telephone <laughs> and I'd sit there and I'd listen, listen, wondering if when he's going to get back on the phone, then he'd get back on the phone and say, so what do you think of that? And I said, well, sound really good. Ed. I think you should get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if we're being honest and, you know, and Luke, if there was on with me yesterday and touched on it a little bit, I mean, you know, those, those guys, I mean, Steve's been sober for a long time now, but those guys had their, their times, that's for sure, and they were they were buddies, and they they hit it hard back in the day. There's no denying that. Yeah, we all did. You know, I I've been like sober for years now, uh, um, like before Lukather actually, and so you know I just chose to put the brakes on a lot sooner. You know, I just felt like I, you know I'm gonna I'm not gonna be around long if I keep going at this speed, and so. Uh, I'm glad to be here, Eddie, even though this COVID sucks. Yeah. <laughs> we have great new music coming. 
Neil, last time you were on, not too long ago, uh, that was just at the point that the rhythm section had changed out in Journey, and you had welcomed back Randy Jackson and welcomed into the band on drums, uh, Narda Michael Walden. How's it all been going so far, and how much have you been able to do, given that there's this pandemic going on? Well, given that the pandemic has been going on, and we haven't all yet been able to be in a room together, it's going really, really amazing. And um, we've got like 13 new tracks uh, in the can uh, that, you know, Arnell is now singing on. Uh, but the band is on fire, man. I'm excited about this record. And um, I believe we'll start releasing things, um, you know, after the new year. We have new management uh, now that, that has come into play. And they've been amazing to work with. At Q Prime, we have Peter Manchin and Cliff Bernstein. And uh, they have quite a team put together, which I think they've proved themselves throughout the years. And they get it, you know. And uh, so they wanted to pull back. I know last time we spoke, I thought we were going to release a single a lot earlier. And then, you know, this all came down and they wanted to push it back a bit. And it makes sense. And so uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to release, you know, single, another single, a little bit. A few months after that, another single, and then hopefully by then, uh, near the end of 21, we'll be back on tour when everything gets up and running again. Uh, but yeah, it's sounding, I think the band is on fire, man. It's been really pretty much either Jonathan working in his studio, sending us a track, and then we over, we're overdubbing on it, or it's Narda and I playing live together, which is working quite well, just drums and guitar. And then we sent to Randy and to John and then, you know, have Arnell on it. And so it's, it's, it's coming together, man. For being a virtual record, it sounds amazing. So that's what I was, so you're doing it because I'm hearing from a lot of artists that are handling this in a different way. Some of them are doing exactly what you're doing. Everybody doing their parts, getting on a zoom together, seeing each other, talking to each other. And and there is a lot of music coming out that way. And then I'm talking to some artists that are going in and they're getting everybody in the band and crew tested and they're actually getting into a studio and face-to-face -face on the floor and making a record. So everybody's tackling it in a different way. But beyond the, the virus, you guys also have the logistics of your singers not even, doesn't even live in this country. So I imagine that would be a challenge. Yeah, we're, we're kind of spread out. And so in order to get together, everybody has to fly in. You have to go through the quarantine. The whole thing, it just doesn't make any sense for right now anyway. Um, you know, we, we intend to definitely, um, before we get going, we're obviously we're going to rehearse and uh, put a new show together. Uh, and I'm talking like brand new show. It, we're going to stick a jamming show together. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to hang and, uh, you know, probably document a lot of the rehearsals uh, so we can have somewhat of a new documentary to put out there with the new record. Yeah, so so you'd say the material, as far as uh, songwriting, it sounds like it's pretty much done, and the recording process has been going on for a, a while virtually then. Yeah, that's correct. We have like, we have like 13 songs, um, you know, and they're not all finished yet, so... By the time we get them to that place, then we'll decide, you know, I bet you, I, I would think like at least seven or eight of them will remain. And then we'll 
finish writing what we feel is missing after that, after we decide, you know, what we're going to stick together. But, you know, I'm, I'm really pushing to go for a diverse record uh, like we did with Escape that, that has a lot of different elements to it, musical elements. And some, you know, we dip back into like some, you know, heavier R&B type rock, like separate ways kind of vibe. Uh, with Randy and Narda because the rhythm section is just solid. Sounds amazing. Well, well, I can't wait to hear it. And are you producing the record yourself, Neil, or is it the band doing it? How's the production working? Well, you know what? We're we're kind of all doing our parts uh, individually. Narda has had a uh, a big part in working with Arnell. He's had some. Arnell has had some great experiences working with Narda uh, with vocally. Uh, you know, getting the vocals uh, sitting in the right place. And, you know, he's had so much experience doing that throughout the years, and he's amazing to work with. You know, he's always very up and energetic and, you know, very supportive. And so Arnold's had a great time with him, and so that's that's been a blessing, man. Um, and then, you know, I, I would say that the, band, the whole band is a, a whole because of the way that it's, being put together, I'd say that the band is producing the record, you know, as well. 50-50, you know? How, how have you liked doing it like this? I mean, you've made records for decades and decades in, in probably so many different ways and the biggest studios and the biggest producers and budgets you could possibly imagine. And now the, the way technology is and the things that can happen and the, what you can do virtually is pretty amazing. How have, how have uh, you found this experience of working this way? Well, you know what? <laughs> we didn't have much choice to do anything else, you know, and we can't play right now uh, live, which is driving everybody nuts. You know, everybody I know is just chomping at the bit to get back out there. I really miss, you know, playing for our fans and the whole experience of just traveling. It's been a way of life for myself, you know, since I was 15. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really missing that. And, uh, but, you know, we've, we've learned to make it work for, you know, the situation that we're in, but I, I mean, if, if I had it my way, I'd say I'd love to be in, in a, a studio with everybody in it. Um, but what I do know is what's sounding amazing right now. Uh, and the way that we played separately, there's definite chemistry. And by the time we get in a room together and we start playing live, the record sounds great, but I know that we're going to sound better than that live because we'll be gelling with one another, you know? And it, you know, you change one guy out and it's a completely different band. You change two guys in the rhythm section and it is, you know, it's a different beast. Have you, have you guys, um, worked things out with, I know at the time it was very contentious with Ross and Steve, uh, with the band and lawsuits and all that stuff that was going on. Has that all been resolved? It's not resolved. And we're trying to figure out, you know, we've put a, uh, I'll put it like this. I can't really talk much about it like last time, uh, but but we've put a more than generous a deal on the table for them to take and accept or not. If they don't accept, then we're going to court. And um, I feel very solid about our case. And so that's that's where it's at. You know, I'm willing to take it to the mat all the way uh, for something that, you know, I worked my whole life on and 
Um, I just, you know, feel that the way things went down was really not that kosher. I mean, what should have happened rather than them trying to take over at that point was to call us up and say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. Instead, it went a different way. And, you know, both myself and Jonathan didn't appreciate it. Mm. And, you know, you reference having new management. I, I, I've known Cliff Bernstein for decades. You're, you're with an organization now that obviously has some other heavy hitters as well in their fold with like Metallica and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that. So uh, there's, there's a lot. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some interesting possibilities down the line. Absolutely. And the thing I love about these guys, they love guitar. <laughs> I think it's the first time in my life, you know, besides, you know, our original manager, Herbie Herbert, he was always a fan of guitar and different guitar players, but, and myself, but, uh, these guys really get it, you know, and they hear our stuff and, and they love it. And they said, you know, we're, we, we sent them a couple mixes. One was a little lighter and less guitar and, and Cliff was the first one to speak up. No, 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 no. Put the guitar back. And I was like, <laughs> I this. this is going to work well for me. <laughs> They're great guys too. I'm loving. They have such a tight organization and great yeah. people. They built themselves that I'm meeting them one by one. And wow, they have a lot of people there. You know, they work together, which is really awesome. You know, that you don't yeah. have to go outside the box and hire another company for this, for PR or digital. You know, it's all built in one. And so, I, you know, I really love those guys. They're they're kicking ass. Oh, yeah, there's, that's a tremendous history and track record for sure. I used to always tell Cliff, I want to get you, you know, I interview your bands. I want to have you come on here for an interview one of these days because his stories are endless. I, I know Peter too, but not, not nearly as well. But, um, you know, their history is, uh, is, is quite legendary and it speaks for itself. So that should be an interesting pairing for sure. Well, so it sounds like an, uh, some music early next year. And then like everybody, it's the holding pattern to figure out when you can actually do shows, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, this is really wild. You know, it's, it's something that nobody expected, uh, would be going on this long. And now numbers are going up, you know, uh, so everybody that's believing that it's not out there, it is out there. And I really believe, you know, in, until, uh, we get a vaccine that actually works and, you know, it's proven to work and they have enough time to, you know, try it out and see if there's any, you know, backlash from it for people that have tried it. Um, it's going to be a while, man. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody out there that's promoting shows that's not worried about being sued by somebody coming to a show that a promoter promotes and they get ill. And, you know, I certainly don't want to be in that position as a band member because they'll go after the promoter and they'll go after the band too, you know. And so, and, and just for the safety of all, I mean, you know, these drive-in things are, are you know, they're different. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, doing a, a live stream, maybe down the line, um, I think maybe a way that we can go, you know, before we get out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really just, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to be patient and uh, do it right. 
Yeah, and the thing is, there are some shows happening now, and there's small shows and club things and outdoor things, but the level of of a band like yours with Journey, I mean, you guys play huge venues and, of course, stadiums and things like that. So I agree with you. It's going to be a while before, uh, you know, unfortunately, the bigger bands and the bands that most people want to see, the bigger the draw is, probably the later down the line it's going to be before you get a chance to see them just because it's sheer numbers. If you're talking 30, 40, 50,000 people, it's just further down the line before you're going to be able to safely do that, it looks like. Yeah, definitely. Yep, that's what it looks like to me, unfortunately, too, but I think in order to be safe and everybody to really be able to enjoy themselves, not have to wear a mask, not have to socially, you know, be, you know, 10 feet apart. I mean, that's just crazy. You can't do it with a lot of people. You know, you can't do it with a small amount of people. So I don't know how you're going to do it with a lot of people uh, without yeah. somebody getting, you know, very ill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can only hope for those days to come back soon because seeing a, a band like yours in a big outdoor setting, I mean, that's, you know, that just screams, your music just screams that. And it's, uh, you know, it's people, people, I think, you know, I think one of the things, Neil, when all is said and done is we had a lot of shows going on for a long time. And now that there's sort of this period where we're probably going to have a year or so where we're not going to have that, I think everybody from the artists to the fans are going to appreciate it that much more when it comes back. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I absolutely believe that, that music is the cure, you know, for so many different things with, in, in everybody's life. And uh, fortunately enough, I believe that, that we're, you know, a feel-good rocking band and people are going to come out to feel good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, listen, speaking of feeling good, let's let you go on this. So you had sent me this, and I thought it was so cool. Uh, we talked about Eddie Van Halen earlier in this interview, but you actually eight years ago recorded a, a version of the Van Halen tune Ain't Talking About Love with Linda Perry on vocals, and this has never come out. Give us the backstory on this. Yeah, this is wild. It's something that I did, and actually I told you it was eight years. I found out it was more like 12 years. So this was done like 12 years ago. Uh, and there's, there's a friend of mine in the Bay Area here. He's a guitar collector. His name is Michael Indelicato. And he was putting together a compilation record to, to go with a book that he was putting out in search of the perfect Les Paul, right? And he was a guitar collector, and he had a studio down at Fantasy, I mean, uh, down at the record plant in Sausalito. Uh, and so a lot of different artists started getting together and remaking, you know, different versions of different songs. I did something with Sammy. I did a spy and family stone song with Sammy. Um, I did an instrumental with Narda, um, and, uh, you know, a few other things, but this came in last for me in the trap already done and there was a band from the bay area called vane and i don't know if you've heard of them oh yeah i know uh, them sure i know davy yeah i love that they're fr i love those guys so davy is on bg's he's on the uh, background vocals linda perry's lead vocals vane's drummer uh tommy ricker is on playing uh drums and the bass player i was told is was from steppenwolf but they didn't know his name <laughs> And so I don't know if it was a new bass player for Steppenwolf or an old one, uh, but apparently he was an engineer too. 
Uh, and Delana Scott is the amp and artist and CEO for Third Power Amps. And she's playing the rhythm guitar on this track that pretty much nails the tone for Ed. All I did was come in and, you know, I revamped the solo a little bit because I'm not into completely emulating and playing everything note for note um, just because it's not me, you know. Um, and I had a little fun with it and just, you know, spent about, I don't know, half an hour on it and forgot about it. Well, you know, a friend of mine sent it to me the other day and I was like, isn't this wild? Um, and I forgot about it and I sent it to you. And so here it is. Yeah. When you sent it to me, I said, you know, this would be great to let people hear this. And I think it was, a, it was really cool. And Linda's vocal on it is great. And, uh, you know, what, what a great time as we all continue to remember and celebrate Eddie and the impact he had to hear you uh, tackling some of the Eddie Van Halen stuff and hear this sounds like a great, you know, great lineup of musicians playing a, a total Van Halen classic. Uh, it's always a pleasure and I, I really appreciate the time and keep us posted as we go through this progress of uh, getting some new journey music. As soon as it's ready, you know, be sure to hit me up and we'll get it on the air. Thank you, Eddie. It's always a pleasure talking to you, man. And I uh, look man. forward to the next time we talk. Yep. The best to you and your family. Stay safe there. And uh, you know where to get me. Hit me up anytime. You as well, buddy. All right. Take care, Neil. Thank you so much. Thanks to Neil Sean of Journey for joining me on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. That interview happened a couple weeks ago on my radio show, Trunk Nation, on Sirius XM 106 volume. Please join me every day if you're in the U.S. or Canada. 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time is the live show on volume. Nightly replays 10 to midnight Eastern. And uh, hope you are listening each and every day. Everybody else, thank you for checking out the podcast. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing it. Much appreciated. And again, thanks to my guest, Neil Sean. Social media, at Eddie Trunk. On all the platforms, eddietrunk.com is the website. And again, we thank Goodies Hangover. Powerful pain reliever. Boosting ingredient, so you can get that fast pain relief, and a boost of alertness to help battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with a hangover. Hangover relief at the speed of powder. That's Goody's Hangover. It's available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, and other fine retailers. More info at goodiespowder.com. Info on those bumper stickers is in the trunk report on eddytrunk.com. You guys have yourselves a great week. Hope you catch me on the radio. If not, catch me back here next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, PodcastOne.com. Have yourselves a great week, everybody. 